Brother Simone says, when you see persecution against the church start to rise, you can expect to see some people fall away. Persecution has its own way of purifying the church. If you are not a serious believer, you don't want to be persecuted for something you don't believe in. So it's, you know, the, the, the quality of faith and the, the, uh, the spiritual life of those people, who are it's, it just purifies the church. And when it's our problem is when we have too much freedom, uh, the church loses its testimony, the quality of spiritual life declines. But these are serious Christians, you know, uh, the only ones that are left through the persecution are the ones who truly believe the Lord and who have committed their lives to Him. Jesus never promised His followers an easy path. In fact, He told His disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. In just a minute, we're going to meet a brother of ours from Ethiopia. But first, in the month of September, we're celebrating five years of The Voice of the Martyrs Radio, And so each week through this month, we're listening to a highlight from the first five years of VOM Radio broadcast. We're going to go back in the archives and listen to one of those highlights now. You know, one of the questions that I often ask Christians who have faced persecution or who might face persecution is, how do you get ready for that? How do you prepare yourself? How do you overcome the fear that is a natural human response to suffering and to persecution? And one of the bold believers that we've had here on VOM Radio, we just called him Dr. Andrew. He works in the Middle East. And I was a bit surprised and honestly a little bit relieved when he admitted that he is terrified when he has encounters with the police. And I thought, praise the Lord, I think I would be terrified too. But here's the key. He said he doesn't let the fear stop him from doing the work that God's called him to do. Often people think when they hear the the stories of, of the persecuted Christians, they think that those are heroes. They do everything and they are not afraid. No, I was terrified. <laughs> I thank, was thank you for saying that. <laughs> I was terrified, like waiting in a dark room for four or five hours before meeting with someone and you have no idea what's going on. Every single time I was terrified. You know, it's, it's a super scary thing to go through. And so how do you overcome that? So what, what you have to know is memorizing the Bible is not the thing that, like people say, I want to memorize the Bible so I can go and like live through persecution. The only thing will carry you through is to know who God is and that God is worthy to do that. Persecution is part of the Christian faith. Whether we like it or not, persecution will come. Philippians 1 tells us that it was given to us not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So I think a lot of time, hours of prayers and and just preparation, studying the Bible, knowing God more, knowing who God is, not only knowing about God, but knowing who he is. He's the only one that will be able to carry you through it. I was really scared every single time I go there. I'm, I'm really scared. When I travel into restricted and hostile nations, I'm freaked out at the airport. Recently, I was traveling and, and they held my passport and I had they interrogated me for one hour as I was getting into the Arab Peninsula. And 
I, I was like hoping they will not look through my phone, see all the emails I have on my phone, and they were not looking through some of my luggage and see the literature that I have on, with me. And um, so being afraid is not the problem. The problem is letting this fear control you rather than the reality of who God is. That's Dr. Andrew in one of the highlights from the first five years of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. To hear that entire interview, you can go to vomradio.net and search in our archives. Just search for Andrew. And as we celebrate this milestone of five years of putting together Voice of the Martyrs Radio programs, would you drop me a note and just let me know how VOM Radio has affected you? How has it inspired you? How has it encouraged your faith? How has it helped you to pray for persecuted Christians around the world? There's a comment box right at the bottom of the page on vomradio.net. I would love to hear from you. Today we're going to meet Brother Simone. He is the General Secretary of the Ethiopian Kaile Haywat Church, and we're going to hear more about the church in Ethiopia and what's happening there. Brother Simone, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for having me, Todd. It is a great blessing to have you here. Uh, I have had the privilege of visiting Ethiopia, beautiful, beautiful country. The most amazing coffee that I've ever had came from Ethiopia, but it is also a very unique country as it relates to persecution, uh, because persecution comes from a lot of different directions there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What is the context for following Christ in Ethiopia? Yeah, you know, Christianity came to Ethiopia. We believe that in Book of Acts, when the Ethiopian eunuch was coming from Jerusalem met by Philip and he shared the gospel with him. So it came uh, to Ethiopia at that time. But the church was uh, established well in the fourth century. So the church has been there for many, time. many centuries. <laughs> but through time, the gospel was not preached well and lots of traditions came in. So that the true message of Christ was not proclaimed for many centuries. There was syncretism with you know other traditions and the culture and everything. So the evangelical movement came much uh, later when uh, there were also revivals in the meantime. But the evangelical movement came through missionaries who came uh, at the end of the 19th century. So the church has been growing uh, since then. When the missionaries first came, uh, they wanted to reach out to the people in the north, but the north was considered Christian. Uh, so <laughs> the government said, oh, no, good, go to the south where there's no Christianity. You know, people are, were animists. So that's where the missionary movement really uh, started and the church had started growing. So at that time, the persecution was coming from, from all angles, from the people in the traditional religion, because this was new to them, and uh, they were persecuted. And uh, Ethiopia was invaded by Italy, uh, the Italian invasion. Uh, and uh, when they came, the missionaries were kicked out. And uh, the few believers that were left there were left on their own. They only had a very small knowledge of the scriptures. So the missionaries were not really sure what's going to happen with these few believers. And they were also persecuted. They were in a hostile kind of environment. But those few believers who heard the gospel continued to proclaim the gospel. I read histories of, of those believers. You know, they are the 
fathers, the beginners of our denomination, mm-hmm. the Ethiopian Kalewat Church. So they were going out and proclaiming. They were beaten up in marketplaces. Some of them were killed. But they, they continued to proclaim the gospel. And after five years, the Italians uh, were not able to stay. They left the country. When the missionaries came back, they were surprised to see that there were lots of believers in the church actually <laughs> continued to multiply. So that that's kind of the beginning. You know, uh, what we have learned through our history is that when there's persecution, the gospel even spreads further. And just like the book of Acts, uh, when the enemy wants to, you know, kill the church, the church even multiplies. And that has uh, continued. And we had uh, a Marxist government from 1975 to 1991. Uh, it was not friendly for the evangelicals. Mm-hmm. The Ethiopian Orthodox Church, which is the largest uh, ch- Christian church in the country, it's about 45%, 40 okay. to 45% of the population. Uh, they were okay, but the Muslims were okay. But the evangelicals were the ones targeted they were by troublemakers, troublemakers yeah. by the government. So I remember many of the churches were confiscated. They were closed. Uh, believers were sent into prison. And only few churches that were left, left open because of the development work they used to do. They don't only preach, but they, they also help the poor. Mm-hmm. For that reason, some of the churches were left open, and the believers who have lost their churches used to flock to those churches and come. But even during those 17 years, the church really multiplied because instead of uh, coming and worshiping in big churches, they were meeting home to home, and that's where those became centers of evangelism and when we had the freedom in 1991, the church was exploding in size already, and it was amazing to see that. So during the Italian occupation, 1935 to 1940, that was the first persecution. Even during the imperial regime when we had the king, the emperor, which was very connected with the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, there was persecution at that time to 1940 to 1975, and during the Marxist regime, 1975 to 1991. So the church has been going through different cycles of persecution. Now we have freedom, freedom of religion in Ethiopia. Evangelical churches are growing, but there are areas still in the north where the Orthodox Church is dominant, Sometimes they see the evangelicals as threats because most of the believers in evangelical church are coming out of the Orthodox Church. So that some of these believers are persecuted. And also in some areas where there's a strong Muslim presence, the church there also struggle, you know, sometimes. And, and would the, the strongest Muslim areas, would that typically be in the south of the country? In or the is it eastern part okay. uh, and northeast part. Okay. The, so, there are some of also on the south and southeast part. What what does that persecution look like? If I'm living in a village in Ethiopia and I've been a Muslim or I've been involved in the Orthodox Church and I have a salvation experience with Christ and I start attending an evangelical church, what is likely to happen? The first thing you probably face is, you know, the family will reject you. Uh, the family will maybe kick you out of the house and you would lose your relationship with your family, your extended uh, family. If you try to share your go- the gospel to others, 
I may not be happy with you. You may face different persecution. So it depends. Some places they may tolerate you, but some places they could be aggressive. And so sometimes they, when they are pushed out of their houses and the community, it's the church that comes along and helps uh, during those situations. So it, it 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 depends from place to place. In some areas, even when there, even where there are strong Orthodox or even Muslim uh, communities. Uh, they may be okay with you becoming a, an evangelical uh, Christian, but some areas are different. Well, one of the things I remember about my visit to there, and this has been several years ago, was we met some what I would call pretty young kids, 18, 19 years old, who their parents had completely disowned them and just said, listen, I'm not your dad anymore. You don't have a house anymore. If you're going to follow Christ, I want nothing to do with you. And yet, they were still strong in their faith. They didn't give it up, even under that kind of pressure. So it sounds like that's still the first line of persecution is usually your own family. That's true, yeah. The family disowns you, and they want to be accepted. You know, the family wants to have that relationship. And the other thing is, in some areas, if a family becomes a believer— or the whole family converts, one of the challenges we have is if somebody dies from that family, you may not find a burial place. Interesting. In fact, that's a problem in so many areas. Many people are afraid to come to the Lord because they say, if I die, where will I be buried? You know, the, the, the family will be in trouble, you know, having right. the body. And, you know, some believers had to travel a long distance to bury their dead because they are refused Burial place. Because the burial uh, place is controlled either controlled by the by, Muslims or by the Orthodox Church. Yeah, it's controlled by others. So older people who can understand what the faith is, they are willing to accept Christ, but they worry, you know, where will I be buried and What's I'll gonna... be a burden. And, and that's a huge stumbling block for many. But now the government is changing things and uh, giving burial places for, for evangelicals in many parts. But that continued to be a challenge in some areas. So you're leading the church there, and you're training pastors, and you're training evangelists. How do you get them ready to face that kind of pressure, pressure in the village level, pressure from their own family members? How do you prepare them to face persecution? You know, all the pastors we train uh, are not going to go to that kind of environment, some of them go and uh, serve in, in churches, in areas, especially our denomination is very strong in the south and southwest, where majority are actually evangelicals in the population. But those going to these difficult areas, uh, uh, we give them special training, and they know what's expected, and uh, so special schools, special training places for them. What, what does that involve, that, that special training? What does that look like? One day, they will be trained to know exactly what the belief system of the society is, what kind of opposition they may face, how they can approach that community mm -hmm. with the gospel, and just to expect, you know, that they will be persecuted. And uh, in fact, I was in one area where this training was given, and at the end of the training, they were told, you know, when you go out and, you know, proclaim the gospel, you, you should be ready to die for your faith because that may happen. And it, it happens occasionally. 
So they are, they, they are that kind of people, and they are ready to do that. They are ready to go out and proclaim the gospel, and they know the price that's attached with that, and they are willing willing to die for the gospel. And uh, it's amazing to see those people. They may not die, but they will be. They know they are going to be persecuted, but they are willing to do that for the sake of the gospel. And the more they persecute them, the more they multiply. That's what <laughs> <laughs> that's what we have that's, seen. That's the great comfort in that. And you've talked about through the history of the church when the government was opposed, the church grew. When the missionaries left, the church grew. When every all these enemies on every side were coming against the church, it continued to grow. So obviously you know that there is a blessing to be had through persecution. Yeah, it's not just the growth part that we see. Uh, persecution has its own way of purifying the church. If you are not a serious believer, you don't want to be persecuted for something <laughs> you don't believe in. So it's, you know, the, the, the quality of faith and the... the uh, the spiritual life of those people who are it's it just purifies the church and when it's our problem is when we have too much freedom uh, the church loses its testimony the quality of spiritual life declines but these are serious christians you know uh, the only ones that are left through the persecution are the ones who truly believe the lord and who have committed their lives to him so uh, it, it it doesn't only multiply increase the church but it purifies the church too Amen. We don't pray for persecution, but when it comes, it has this positive it, effect. There might be a lesson for some of our American listeners in, in that part of the conversation, but we, like you say, we don't pray for persecution, <laughs> but certainly there are blessings. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Simone. He is the General Secretary of the Ethiopian Kyle Haywat Church, one of the church denominations there in Ethiopia, one that Voice of the Martyrs is working with and, and working through. What are the biggest challenges for you as a leader in a situation where, like you say, some of your pastors are out in places where everything's good, there's no persecution. Some of your pastors are out in places where they could be killed, literally. What are what are the challenges for you in in leading across both of those challenges? Yeah, when uh, in the places where the church is growing, it's growing very fast, and we have so many people. But we are not we're not doing discipleship as we're supposed to do. So the church is growing numerically, but in terms of making them disciples of Christ is a big challenge. You know, the lack of uh, many trained ministers. We, we have training schools. We have two uh, Bible colleges, two master's level, and we have about nine junior colleges. But, uh, you know, the population, I mean, the number of members in our denomination is over nine million. So when you distribute that in 9,800 local <laughs> congregations, what we're doing is very small. Uh -huh. So uh, we don't have enough well-trained ministers. So when that happens, discipleship is not strong. And we have uh, the coming of false teachers, uh, false teachings uh, coming to the church, even through media now. And it's it's hard to, to keep our members strong, grounded in the faith. That is the challenge we face in the areas that the church is big and strong. But in the areas uh, where there's persecution, you know, churches sometimes get burned, believers' houses get burned, and uh, these people have little anyway economically when they are uh, pushed out of their community, you know, finding a place for them to stay. 
even to rebuild their burnt churches and things like that. So th- th- those are some of the challenges we face with our partners when they come in through that and help in those areas. Those believers get encouraged, you know, they know that they are not on their own. There are Christian brothers and sisters uh, within the country and outside the country who are standing with them and uh, helping them and praying for them. So we face different kinds of challenges from from those different areas. How does Voice of the Martyrs help in situations, like you say, where there is persecution? What does Voice of the Martyrs do to help you and to help the church there? The help comes like, uh, you know, some, if there are some believers, sometimes they get killed and the family has financial problems and there'll be widows and helping those widows, you know, to to have some, you know, economic, uh, they help them with with life, uh, that kind of help. When church get burned, we have been helped, you know, to rebuild churches. Some of the believers' houses get burned sometimes and destroyed and VOM comes along and helps in those areas. So it has been a huge blessing to us because the church that big and stretched in all areas, you know, meeting all those needs on our own uh, is a challenge. So whenever we get help, you know, that that really encourages us and encourages those believers. What does it mean to you to be a part of the family of God that that includes American Christians and Ethiopian Christians and Chinese Christians and other Christians who are going through persecution and other Christians who are in freedom. And how do you relate to being a part of that big family? Yeah, it's 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 a huge blessing. You know, the body of Christ is one. Um, and seeing different believers from different countries coming together, supporting each other is is a huge, a huge blessing to us. The church in Africa is growing and exploding, and it's going to continue to grow. If we take care of, you know, making our believers disciples, the church will continue to grow. And it it will be, in fact, our denomination has already started sending out missionaries to different countries. We have uh, sent missionaries to places like Pakistan, Sudan, South Sudan, Indiana, Zambia, Malawi, and uh, Somalia, Kenya, Bangladesh, Kuwait, Chad, China. And there are many who are lining up and willing to go. So uh, we have the people, we have young uh, population, uh, Ethiopian population. When you look at the, uh, the demographics, about uh, 70% of the population is under 35. Wow. So, uh, and the church is reaching out to those young people. Uh-huh. So the the spread of the gospel, I think, will be will be coming out of Africa in the coming years. So we have the human resources. The church, God, this is not our doing. It's the Holy Spirit who is moving the church. But it's not matched with the financial resources. Uh, so when I see that the finances are somewhere, you know, they're like the Western believers, uh, God has blessed them with finances. And there are people with good heart who wants to see the gospel reach to, to all nations. So the way I see it is God has uh, human resources here and the uh, financial resources, but it's one kingdom, mm-hmm. the body of Christ. So whatever resource we have, well, if we if we come together, if we work together, I think we can fulfill the Great Commission and reach to all the nations God has called us to reach. And But if we do our own thing without the partnership, 
we, we, we lose the, the blessing of working together as one body of Christ. Amen. Amen. As we finish up, we like to equip our listeners to pray. And I think one of the things you've talked about that we can pray for is uh, discipleship and leadership training within the church, raising up really solid followers of Christ, raising up people who are ready to lead. What other things can we pray for as it relates to our brothers and sisters in Ethiopia? Yeah, um, those are our prayers you mentioned. (laughs) And the other thing is, you know, there are uh, evangelists and missionaries who are on the front line preaching the gospel and trying to to reach out to others, people of other faiths. And uh, they face persecution every day. And uh, we need prayer that these people would be strong, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they would be bold in their proclamation of the gospel, and God would open the hearts of, of those people. God works in, in different ways to, to bring these people to the Lord, and sometimes it takes miracle or a healing or a special revelation from God to, to really help these people realize the truth. So let's uh, I, I, we would appreciate prayer for the people who are on the front lines, you know, proclaiming, proclaiming the gospel. And uh, as they face persecution, uh, we need prayer that they would be strengthened. They wouldn't give up on their calling and uh, and the church to continue to have this mission, be mission minded, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, our denomination, as I said, is strong in some parts of the country. But the eastern part of the country, uh, still, we don't have strong churches in those areas. And even the church we have, the people in those churches are people who came from the strong evangelical areas. We're not reaching the indigenous people in those areas. So uh, our next uh, goal is to reach out to these people uh, in the northern part and the eastern part. We want to grow in that area. So for the Lord to help us, you know, uh, reach out to those people and plant effective churches that continue to multiply in those areas. Brother Simone, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for allowing Voice of the Martyrs to to partner with you and and to help persecuted Christians within your churches. Uh, And thanks for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you so much for having me, and I would like to thank you know the, the Voice of Mothers for coming alongside with us and helping us in all these ways. And we feel very much encouraged and uh, knowing that we have brothers and sisters everywhere, you know, praying for us and supporting us, especially when we face challenges from different angles. We're very grateful and we're thankful and we praise God for the ministry of VOM. Well, we are thankful to be able to do the work and to come alongside brothers and sisters like you. And I'm very thankful because I know that many of our VOM radio listeners are prayer warriors and they're going to be praying for you and for Ethiopia and for the church there this week. To hear more conversations like this one, you can visit vomradio.net. You can explore the archives there. You can also look back in your podcast stream and listen to previous episodes. As we are celebrating five years of podcasting this month, we're thanking the Lord for how he's used VOM Radio in the lives of our listeners. Listeners like Josh, who wrote to us a while back and said this, I wanted to thank you for the VOM Radio podcasts. My wife and I are praying about going to Cambodia as missionaries. Even if we don't go, we are passionate about connecting the church with missions. 
I have listened to the podcast for the last year or so and absolutely love them. They encourage my walk with God and stir my heart for the world. Many of them bring tears to my eyes, hearing what our brothers and sisters go through, as well as the way God is moving in these hard places. Before finding the podcast, I thought VOM was basically a ministry that made us feel guilty about not being as committed to Jesus as those who are tortured. I had no idea about all the frontline ministry you are involved with, the ways you take care of martyrs' families. I want Todd and the team to know that the radio work is a huge blessing to me and my family. Josh, I want to say thank you for your letter. It was a blessing and an encouragement to us here at Voice of the Martyrs. And for those of you who are listening, I want to hear from you too. Go to vomradio.net. At the bottom of the page, there's a feedback box. You can type a message to me and email it in. There's also a toll-free phone number. If you'd rather call and leave a voicemail, you can do that as well. Again, our website, vomradio.net. And also, if you're listening to this as a podcast, I would encourage you, go into your podcast app and leave a rating, leave a review for VOM Radio. Those ratings and reviews really help us to rise up in the rankings of the different apps, and that helps us to reach new listeners. We want to reach more people with the stories of our persecuted family. So if you're listening in a podcast app, take a few moments and give us a rating, leave a review for Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I hope you'll be back with us next week. We're going to meet a pastor from the underground church in China. We're going to hear about his church. We're going to hear about the increasing crackdown that's going on against the church in China. And we'll equip you to pray for China, just as we equipped you to pray for Ethiopia this week. You won't want to miss that. So be back and join us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.